0: It can change lives, change lives. Heal, broken hearts, heal broken hearts, and save man's soul. Save man's soul. Lord, Jesus today, Lord Jesus, today, speak to me. Amen. In Jesus' name, Jesus name. Amen. amen. Give a high five, pound, fist pound. Hug, hug your neighbor. It wouldn't hurt. Give them a hug. They probably haven't been hugged all week long, so give them a hug. All right. In, in three, actually four Sundays from now, Four Sundays from now, we are going to have uh, an outside-the-box experience here at church. We are going to have a worship service like you've never had before, like you've never experienced before. We're going to have one service that day at 11 o'clock. Do not eat. Don't eat breakfast unless you eat early because we're going to feed you here as we worship together. You're going, huh? That's all I'll tell you for now. If you read the pastory update this week, you'll kind of know a little bit what I'm saying. But uh, it's going to be a great time. You wait and see. You wait and see. That's the Sunday I don't preach anyway. That's why we have a record attendance. So uh, I'm looking forward to another record attendance on that day. Because I don't preach. You're the sermon, remember? <clears throat> Your testimonies of what you're thankful for. And trust me, guys, we ought to be thankful for a lot of things now. <clears throat> and uh, let's, let's get excited about that. But let me dive into Elijah because uh, my time's running short and uh, I've got a a great message to share with you today. If you were to be judged on your effectiveness and intimacy in your prayer life, how many of you would raise your hand and say, you know, I rate up there in a scale of one to ten? I'm up there about a ten there, preacher, ten, ten and a half. Any of you, effectiveness and intimacy of your prayer life? All right? How many would throw their hands up if you found yourself about mm, five, six, intimacy, effectiveness, in prayer? Okay, good, good. A few hands, good. Or how many of you would really be honest and say, preacher, I'm in the basements, really. I'm at a minus one, maybe a a two, I don't know. I'm way down there. Probably zero. Any any of you on there? (laughs) There we go. All right. Let me throw out a few good questions for you about prayer. Is God really there? Can He really hear me? Is He listening? Well, you know, if the truth were being known, and we were really being honest with ourselves, we might even say, Pastor, does prayer really even work? And by the way, I want to thank... uh, Peggy Morrow and her daughter Ray for getting our prayer blanket ready for this morning. Uh, We had run out of material here and the person who normally helps me with that I knew was going to be gone today and Peggy and Ray came to my mind. So I had Tammy call them and boom here we had a blanket. So thank you guys for for pitching in and taking care of that for us so we could have that blanket ready. It's great to know that there's more people than just one or two that want to serve God. Amen? Awesome. Awesome. Maybe you've been praying about your marriage and you're hoping that that marriage will get better or it will get more exciting or whatever. And you're not seeing much movement there. Maybe it's uh, relationships with friends or relationships with your kids or it could be your job situation. And we've got several facing that. And we've seen God come through in some and and others have still been just hanging on wondering what's going to go on. So there's just a lot of things that we've been praying about, and you've been praying about, and you're, see, and you're just going on. Maybe it's addictions that you've been fighting, same ones year after year, month after month, and you keep battling with the same addictions, and you keep wondering, am I ever going to get through with this? Am I ever going to break this? Well, when we dive into this section in Elijah today, and we're going to be in chapter 18, we're going to pick up at verse 41. So if you've got your Bibles turned there, we're going to see it up on the screen, but I always like it when you're looking in your Bible. Because in there, you're going to see the same thing I want to tell you from the screen. And in your Bible, you can underline and highlight and circle and do all that stuff because it's important. Because what you hear from me in, in this hour, in these next few minutes, is not nearly as critical as what God's going to say to you through the rest of the week when you're going back into this. And, oh, by the way, you might say, well, I, I'm not sure I do that. At the end of every outline, you've noticed I've had discussion questions. Those discussion questions are for you in your quiet time to discuss with God. Because I believe that you will never grow beyond where you are unless you dig in deeper and go beyond a Sunday morning service. It, it just won't happen. If you really want to learn the Word of God, become a teacher of the Word of God. And we've always got openings for those that want to teach. Uh, Brother Otis, Kara, just they would just uh, have a heart attack if you come up and say, you know, I, I just want to teach, never taught before, but I sure like to try it. I, you know, I know what Otis is going to say to you. Well. Eee, never tried? E. sorry. No, <laughs> first time for everything, that's right. So, come on. But that's the way you learn, is teach it. But let's pick up at verse 41. It should be up on the screen. Elijah climbed to the top of Mount Carmel, bent down to the ground, and did what? Put his face where? What's well, an interesting posture to take, isn't it? It's an interesting posture to take. He climbs to the mount, mountain, puts his head between his knees, and then he says, Go look toward the sea, he tells the servant. And he went up and looked, and the servant came back and he says, What? So, how many times did Elijah say, Go back? Seven times He sends him back. <laughs> but what I want you to understand is this. God was ready to answer. He said, go back. Go back. And what happens next? On the seventh time, the, serpent, the servant reported what? A cloud. a cloud as small as a man's hand. Everybody hold up that hand. Take a look at it. Take a look at it or this way. Take a look at it. Take a look at your neighbor's hand. I know they're not real attractive, but take a look at them. That's how big, that's how big the cloud looked. <laughs> I want to deal with you today. And if you'll listen, if you'll engage to what I'm trying to say to you, I want to teach you four qualities of effective prayer. If you'll apply these, I'll guarantee you, your life, your prayer life will change if you'll do it. The first one, effective prayers are humble prayers. Humble prayers. Can you say that with me? Effective prayers are humble prayers. Elijah climbs to the top of the Mount Carmel He makes his way to the top, sits alone with God. He needed to get God's attention. There are times in our lives when we need to get God's attention. And there's one way that works better than any. And that's if you learn humility. If you learn humility. I could have... Friday night when that official turned and told me that I needed to get off the sideline I could have looked at him and told him exactly what I thought of him somebody said well why didn't you say something back to him I said because he is in a position of authority in that moment in my life I didn't argue with him I didn't agree with him but I didn't argue with him because he was in a position of, of authority amen You're speeding down the road. There's a lot of other great crimes going on, and that policeman ought to find them and and pull those guys over. Amen? But why he chooses you out of all the people, and you're late for an appointment anyway, and he's going to pull you over for going two miles over the speed limit, I got you. I'm with you. And you can get out of the car, and you can rant, rave, hoot, and holler all you want to, but you humble yourself in the midst of that authority. When you're sitting before God... (laughs) It behooves us to submit to His authority. We don't need to come demanding. We need to come seeking. And so He's there. He's humbled Himself. He's physically humbled Himself by putting His head, His face, between His knees. And at this moment, at this moment, He realizes we need rain, God. But it can't come Until I humble myself before you. In James chapter 6. God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Humble ourselves before the Lord. And He will lift us up. He will lift us up. In Psalm chapter 3. It's not in your outline. This is is a a bonus verse for you. In Psalm chapter 3. when When all the world seems to be against you. And I don't care what it is that they seem to be against you about. In fact, in Psalm 3 it says, My enemies are many, and they are saying of his soul it is worthless. Then the next verse, David says, But you, O Lord, are the lifter of my head. You, O Lord, are the sustainer of my spirit. (laughs) So the world will beat you up shove you down, but our God, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, He will lift you up. But we have to understand that it is in humbling and humility that precedes miracles in our lives. One thing I I had to learn as a, a young man is the sooner I learn to submit to authority, the greater the blessings come in my life. Any of you ever got that? Maybe you're still learning that yet. But it was the greatest thing. Why do parents have to discipline children? Because the children refuse to submit to their parents. Oh, they say they can submit to God. Oh, they'll come be baptized. We'll hold them under. We'll bring them up. Boy, they're going to live a holy life. That halo jumps up. Whoop! Ten minutes after church, that halo is gone and horns have replaced it. Stuff that comes out of their mouth, you are going, Not my child. Behaviors that they start demonstrating, you're going, they're not raised that way. But, but didn't we just baptize them? Something miraculous should have happened. Because they haven't learned to submit to the authority of their parents. I have kids tell me all the time, no, I don't, I don't, I don't respect my mom and dad. I said then you can't respect God. Well, I sure can. Well, no, you can't. Because you're already arguing with me and I'm in the position of authority because I'm the preacher. <laughs> Are you with me so far? Our tendency is to argue about those in authority over us instead of being submissive and humble, especially to God. Especially to God. Number one, humble prayers. Number two, effective prayers are specific prayers. Now, I've got to be honest with you. There's times when I'm a very wishy-washy Christian in prayer. They're more platitudinal. They're more... General than they are really specific. You know, God be with us. God give me strength. God help me. The other night I was praying, God help me keep my mouth shut, keep my mouth shut, keep my mouth shut. And he did. He did. Should I have said anything? No. But I did. Because we get caught up in the moment of living, don't we? why we sin is we get caught up in the moment of living but you know what i love about my god he's a funny god too remember what in our very story right here in first in, in kings 18 remember the story last week what elijah he was taunting those prophets of baal what did he tell them is your god sitting on the on the throne <laughs> that's where men sit a lot yeah is your god sitting on the toilet that's what he said. That's what he said to him. Isn't that awesome? In your translation it says, is your God busy? But in the literal translation of Hebrew, it says, is he got, sitting on the toilet? I love it. I love it. But we must be specific. Elijah tells the servant, go to the sea. He went and he looked and he says, there's nothing there. But he was specific and he wanted God To respond, and so he asked God specifically for a blessing. And he asked God specifically for rain. I want you to see a video, I hope, of a girl named Bethany. We're going to see if this happens. All right, Brother Jeff? Let's pray that it does.
1: At every turning point, I felt like God was lighting my path. But it wasn't like a big spotlight that was going out in front of me so that I could see the end destination. It was more like just lighting my path step by step. I love running, and I had been training for my marathon for six months prior to my diagnosis. I had never really done regular breast checks or anything like that, but for some reason, I don't even know why, but for some reason I just felt like I needed to do one, so I did one. I felt a strange lump. I didn't really think anything about it because I was 25 at the time. (laughs) So I went to a walk-in clinic and the doctor there basically told me, don't worry about it, it's not anything. If I were you, I wouldn't even go get it checked out. And once again, I felt like it was God just saying, you need to get this checked out. I had two biopsies done and it was three days after Christmas. I happened to be holding my baby niece when I got a phone call. And she said, you know, I have some bad news for you. You in fact have breast cancer. And the first question that I asked her was, well, can I still run my marathon? She said, yes, you can run your marathon. I had been training with some friends from my church. We were all gonna run the Disney marathon together. So January 7th, 2007, I ran the marathon. Some of my friends had known what was going on, but a lot of them didn't. And I just told them, I said, you know, I'm really going to need your support right now. Here's what's going on. And they prayed for me right there on the spot, and they were very supportive and very encouraging. I definitely knew the importance of prayer prior to my cancer journey, but it wasn't until I went through that process that I really understood the power of prayer. I knew that I was just about to start my last semester of law school. And I knew that there were some decisions that needed to be made regarding whether or not I could actually finish law school and still go through cancer treatments. And I felt like God was leading me to continue on with law school and to go ahead and finish my last semester because I was so close. I had met with a chemotherapy doctor and she informed me that there was a possibility that the chemotherapy treatments that I was going to be going through would cause me to become infertile. I've always wanted to be a wife and a mother and the possibility of not being able to have children was was just devastating to me. I think I actually cried more about that than I did about the fact that I had breast cancer. I think it was the effects of what it could have taken away from me. And shortly thereafter, I started my treatments. Chemotherapy is not a fun process. It makes you feel horrible. It caused me to lose my hair, which was pretty rough just being, just being a female and being single. I kept wondering, you know, is it possible that a guy could love me bald? Um, so I remember sitting there in that chemo chair with my law books and my and my laptop there just trying to do what what I needed to do to be able to finish that semester. After I graduated law school, I had gotten a call back from this one particular law firm and I came in with my bald head and my suit on and I met with the head attorney and it wasn't very long after starting to talk to her that she let me know that her husband had also gone through cancer treatments. So right there it put me at ease just knowing that she understood that someone with cancer can work and still have a life even though they're facing this terrible disease. I got home and it wasn't but 45 minutes later that I got a phone call and she let me know that I had the job and I'm still there. I felt like prior to being diagnosed with cancer, I would pray when things were kind of going wrong, you know, and just asking God to make things better. It wasn't until after I got through some of the worst times that I really started being able to look back and see how God had answered prayers. Well, if the cancer ever does come back, I still know that God's in control. And I still know that there will be a purpose in that. And I just have to trust him in the process.
0: Because Bethany at 25 finds out she has cancer. And what does she do? She doesn't quit. And you and I can't quit. When tough times come into our life, we persevere. And we become specific so we find, and we, we become focused so we find healing from God. Number three, effective prayers are persistent prayers. Elijah humbled himself. He prayed a specific prayer. And now he tells his servant to go down to the sea. And he looks and he comes back. He says, there's nothing. He says, go back. He comes back and says, nothing. There's nothing there. He goes, says, go back. He looks and he comes back and he says, there's nothing there. How many times did he do that? He was persistent in what he wanted to do. Elijah didn't allow the outward circumstances of what's going on to affect his inward assurance. Though you and I may not see the answer we want now, God wants us to be persistent and not give up. And I don't know what it is in your life that you're struggling with, and, but He doesn't want you to throw in the towel. I have a lifelong battle that I've gone, but, but I'm not throwing in the towel. Every day is a new day. Every day is a new opportunity. And so we have to get up and put our feet on the ground and trust that God will lead us that day. And we'll have the strength that day to overcome Because, you see, we're not promised tomorrow. We're not not given any hope of yesterday. We're only given today. That's why it's called the present. (laughs) Because it's given to us every day. And if we'll be persistent, I've told you that my oldest brother found the Lord. I've been praying for him for over 32 years. And he found the Lord. Hallelujah. 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 The emails I was getting from him, I knew something was going on. But I didn't know how far it had gone until we were at my mother's funeral and he told me. That's exciting, folks. So maybe there's somebody you've been praying for to to know the Lord and come to the Lord. Don't give up. Don't give up. Be persistent. Stay with it. Maybe it's a habit. I don't know what it is, but stay with it. Maybe it's those finances. Maybe it's broken relationships. Maybe it's a marriage. What have you quit praying about? What have you quit praying for that you need to start praying for again? I I don't know. You fill in that blank. Number one, effective prayers are humble prayers. Number two, effective prayers are specific prayers. Number three, effective prayers are persistent prayers. And then number four, effective prayers are expectant prayers. They're expectant prayers. Now, Elijah humbled himself, was specific, was persistent. But he didn't quit. Because on the seventh time he sent the servant, the servant comes back. And after no answer six times, on the seventh time, he says, Elijah, there is a cloud as small as a man's hand that's starting to rise from the sea. And Elijah could have said, just a small cloud? What color was it? How big was it? Mm-hmm. Hmm. That's the best you can do. Isn't that us? That's how we pray. I hey, mean, we pray, boy. and for him to send us a palm sized cloud. In answer. Remember the skit that Mark and the kids did from Dallas a year ago, when they came out with the little bitty bottle of Coke, or the eight ounce thing, and then the next one came with a bigger one, and then finally I think Mark came out with a three liter one, you know. And the and the girl that got that little bitty one, remember what she said? Well, why can't I have what they've got? And Jesus kept saying, I gave you what you needed. No, but I want this one. I want the three liter. Because we believe that if we're going to get three liters worth, then we're going to be a whole lot better off. Well, the problem is everybody that got the bigger one needed the bigger one. Because God will answer as God needs to answer in your life. Amen? Amen? I mean, Elijah, when, when, when the servant tells him this, what does Elijah say? Go tell Ahab, hitch up your chariot. Go down before the rain stops you. Next. Therefore I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it, Mark 11, and it will be yours. Next. Meanwhile, the sky grew black with clouds. The wind rose. The heavy rain came on, and Ahab rode off to Jezreel. He, The servant says, there's this little cloud the size of your hand rising from the sea, and, and, and Ahab, <laughs> and he tells Ahab, Elijah says, hey, Eb, you better get your wheels going and get on out of here, man, because this makes to pour-down rain. You can be stuck on the mountain. You can't get off. This side. Now, I'm not that way. God tells me I got this little cloud. I see it. And I can see the cloud, not me. If I'm looking for a storm, I'm going looking for Travis Meyer. I'm looking for the Doppler radar. I'm looking for the hook echo deal. You know what I'm talking about? I'm going to, uh-uh. I want to see everything that's going on. Drives my wife and family nuts because we're in a tornado warning. Sirens are going off. Where am I? Hiding? I'm standing outside looking. Tornado's coming. No problem. I'm going to see it if it gets there. I learned that from my grandmother. She used to sit on the porch and rock while they went down the street. That's her, you know. She's a wild woman. But Elijah, he got all excited. He said, we're fixing to have a monsoon, we're fixing to have a thunderstorm, and it's coming, but, but the clouds only the size of a man's hand. See, God can do immeasurably more than we think or ask. Hmm. So he says, starting in 45, well, you better get going. Sky grows black, wind rises up, heavy rain starts to fall, Ahab heads off to Jezreel, The power of the Lord comes on Elijah. Let me tell you today, God answers prayer. God moves supernaturally on behalf of His people. Now let's go to prayer. God, would you move us? Would you stir us? Would you change us? There are some here this morning. It's been a long time since they've connected with you through prayer in a real intimate way maybe you've stopped praying for somebody maybe Lord they've not humbled themselves before you perhaps they would say God I need to re-energize and transform my prayer life I believe there are some here today that this is the second or third or sixth time <clears throat> that they've asked you. They've not seen you. They've not heard from you. They, don't, they haven't sensed your presence. They've, they've just kind of stopped praying. God, I want those people to know that you understand. You hear their prayers. You understand their pain. You care about their pain when you came to earth you came here for each of us you came here to take our sin upon yourself you came here to take our lust to take our addiction to pornography to alcohol to failing marriages our struggles that cause pain our broken relationships you came to take that upon yourself you went to the cross with them you died for them and three days later you rose again God, here's what I know. That You stand before us. You fill the gap. You pursue us. You want a relationship with us. You want to forgive us. You want to free us from sin. You want life to have meaning. You want it to have purpose. And God, I believe that if, as we speak Your name right now, that You will draw You will draw us to You. In fact, You tell us in Scripture, Come unto Me, all you who are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. God, I want to encourage and challenge those that are struggling this morning to not run anymore. I want to ask them to let You be their Savior, their Master, their Lord. I hope they will say, Pastor, I need Jesus today. I can't live this way any longer. God, I need you. I know these folks need you. So would you save us, change us, come into our lives. Be Savior and Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Great song.